You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. If you're a small business owner, you know that it isn't just your business, it's your life. And whatever your business might be, you want someone who understands. That's why you might want to check out State Farm Small Business Insurance. Why? Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor-at-large of Recode. You may know me as the founder of a site where you can share and vote on tech exec screw-ups. It's called Bluet. But in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Today in the red chair is Christine Legario Chafkin, a senior writer for Inc. Magazine. She's also the author of a new book, We Are the Nerds, The Birth and Tumultuous Life of Reddit, the Internet's Cultural Laboratory. I often call it a cesspool. Christine, Sometimes it is. <laughs> welcome to Recode Decode. Thank you for having me. So I want to get a little bit about your background. I always get people's backgrounds like to know where they're coming from, um, how you got to do this book. And let's talk about that a little bit. Like, what sure. got you to this moment? Well, um, when I graduated college in Wisconsin, I moved out to Washington, D.C., started, you know, reporting on politics and got kind of sick of just only being around lawyers and lobbyists and politicians. Mm-hmm. So moved to New York for an internship at the so Village you're covering Voice. covering w- just regular politics? Regular yeah, politics. congressional politics. Mm-hmm. And moved to New York for an internship at the Village Voice. Voice, where mm-hmm. I was really fortunate to work for Wayne Barrett, who mm-hmm. is an incredible investigative reporter who we lost last year. And, you know, from there, sort of worked at worked on a book with him, um, went to CBS News, where I got sort of pushed into a position writing for Katie Couric, which mm-hmm. was amazing as mm-hmm. a learning experience. Oh, but Katie. Not I exactly. know Katie well. Yes. I mean, I loved her, but um, it wasn't exactly what I wanted to be yeah, doing, TV writing for yeah. someone else. Um, right. And so from there, I went out to San Francisco to freelance, learned a little bit about the culture. I'd only lived there for a summer. Mm-hmm. in the past, but then got a job at Inc. Magazine, right. where I was writing about entrepreneurs and scrappy little businesses right. and, te- in a positive and tech. light. They tend to sort of, yeah, more pretty positive. Like, entre- like oh, you can do it, that kind yes, of thing. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, we kind of love our, we love mm-hmm. our entrepreneurs, yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, the jobs they create, and mm-hmm. um, so, you know, there, I, I went to South by Southwest, the giant marketing spectacle, mm-hmm. and was like at a party some night, some mm-hmm. gawker party, and mm-hmm. um, some programmer handed me a card, and the next morning I got an email from Alexis Ohanian saying, right. hey, let's meet One for a founders. coffee. Yeah, right. he was a founder of Reddit, and mm-hmm. he had since um, sold Reddit and since stepped away, mm-hmm. but he wanted to pitch me on he uh, and Steve Huffman's new startup. Steve which, Huffman was with the other founder. Exactly, and uh, they had a new startup called Hipmunk, like mm-hmm. Chipmunk with yeah. an H selling flights, and I, I didn't care a whole lot about that, but I knew these two guys had started Reddit, and I knew that it was a fascinating and thing. And they stepped away when it got yes. sold, right? Yes, right. but yeah. I just kind of wanted to know, like, these two guys seem pretty normal. Mm-hmm. Um, how did they create this 
crazy toxic place on the internet that, mm-hmm. you know, yes, there are wonderful, bright, shiny memes, but there was also, you know, at the time, Creep Shots was in the news in like mm-hmm. 2011. Anderson Cooper was investigating what looked a lot like, you know, child pornography at yeah. times. And yeah. we're going to get into that. Sure, sure. Um, but but so I started talking with the t- these two guys, mm-hmm. mostly separately. I didn't know at the time that they weren't on speaking terms mm-hmm. by a few months yeah, in once I started internet. speaking yep. mm-hmm. to them. But, you know, I learned their whole backstories and I... I thought at the time, like, I want to write a book about this. It's it's a simple story, but at the time, also, people were the into this. Of yeah, into the simple, like, we two, two guys bumbling into something, starting something in a garage or a basement, and it wasn't actually a good idea for a book mm-hmm. at the time. Right. But I spent, you know, every few months I would check in with them. Um, I learned, you know, I met other former employees, met some current Reddit employees, and as the years passed, so much drama in terms of the company leadership mm-hmm. unfolded, and I sort of had a you know seat right there watching everything happen. Um, and by the time, most recently, that you know Steve Huffman decided to come back as CEO about three years ago, I had been speaking to him for years and right. had the whole story. And then finally, you know, the founder returning, it was like a good book, mm-hmm. and I knew I, I knew I could finally write it. All right, well, let's talk about the history of Reddit. Let's talk, talk about how it started. So yeah. we'll get, and then we're going to talk about the challenges it's faced and continues to face today. Yes. So talk about the founding of it. Absolutely. So Steve Huff and Alexis Ohanian met at the University of Virginia. They um, had dorm rooms across from each other and both loved playing video games. Mm -hmm. Uh, They kind of bonded over that. They both shared sort of a worldview, even though they were very different individuals. Alexis is always charming, charismatic. He happens to be married to Serena Williams. He does happen to, yes. (laughs) And, um, you know, Steve was sort of the antisocial programmer, hacker type, um, kind of a glint in his eye and uh, a mischievous streak. And and yet they became friends. And by the time they graduated college, they wanted to start a company together. Mm-hmm. They knew what it was going to be. It was going to be a mobile food ordering startup mm-hmm. called My Mobile Menu. And or, here is. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> well, so they met with Paul Graham, who mm-hmm. now is well known for founding Y Combinator. Mm-hmm. And um, Paul was at the time only known for writing essays online and having sold mm-hmm. a company that became Yahoo Shopping, basically. Paul told them their idea was horrible and that they needed to start over and suggested that they build the front page of the Internet. Uh-huh. Now, they thought of this as sort of tongue-in-cheek at the time because basically they were building a list of links. People could submit anything to Reddit, just a link to a story or a study or a programming tip. Right. And, um, you know, they, they put it right up online and a few months, actually a month later, they launched. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, you know, Reddit.com. It was a very simple concept. Simple. It was Yahoo. I mean, a lot of, in a weird way. It was Yahoo like was basically a clone of Delicious. It right. was, you know, because people would vote up um, right. things to make them popular. And mm-hmm. that's why, I mean... So basically, they they built two aspects to it that became, I think, the the secret sauces of Reddit. The Mm -hmm. first one was the algorithm, this Mm -hmm. hotness algorithm that allowed everyone to vote on any comment, any link, and vote it up to rise it to the top of the page or down to sync it. It wasn't a like. It wasn't like an inherent, I like this thing. It was just a endorsement of, hey, you should read this. This is important. Now, remember how messy and ugly the internet was back then? Comments on news sites were just spam and people like linking to their own self-serving projects mm-hmm. and Reddit didn't have that because people would downvote them to oblivion mm-hmm. and it allowed the good stuff to rise to the top. Right. Now within years they also had a, the second secret sauce which was a community of volunteer moderators. Um, anyone could create any subreddit which is a section of Reddit mm-hmm. for any topic but then they would be in charge of maintaining that space right. and keeping right. it. So they could do it on any clean. topic. Like yes, it, it exactly. Range. Give examples. Oh, I love uh, life pro tips. You know, mm-hmm. there's also um, unethical life pro tips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, there's sewing 
clothing communities. There's makeup tutorial communities. There's, uh, you know, um, just anything under the sun. Stapling, right. so they use these, stapling bread to so they, trees. So they you know? use these moderators, which are free, yes. to in order to cull the service essentially. Yeah, exactly. Keep it clean-ish. I mean, moderators could make their own rules, right? There's mm-hmm. also pornography communities. They mm-hmm. they weren't trying to keep anything clean. They were mm-hmm. trying to keep it dirty, right? right. Um, but but those people were then you know in charge of their little subsections and could elevate issues to the Reddit staffers once Reddit had any real staff, which mm-hmm. took years. Um, you know, but they were sort of this this little like window into community management, this little guardianship layer that you know Facebook never had. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Facebook was highly organized. It was mm. the suburbs, and it was it was run by Facebook, essentially. Mm-hmm. And this was run by the people who right. were there right. and the moderators who had enormous exactly. power, sure. the, the moderators. So they did this for a while and then sold, right? They yes. had certain funding. Well, who was the original funding from? Paul Graham was the original, right. like, here's a tiny check, keep right. this thing running, buy some pizza, you mm-hmm. know. And then they were courted by Condé Nast mm-hmm. and acquired by them 16 months later. What did you think later. of that purchase? I was always like, huh? Well, I thought it was huh, but you know, in speaking to Karosh Karmakani, who is the, the the guy who was basically you know hired by Steve Newhouse, and he said, "Go get some digital properties mm-hmm. for us." He thought he would be buying things like the, the sort of female shopping social yeah. sites. Yeah, I remember telling them, you know, yeah. there's a lot of porn on there, like dirty <laughs> stuff, and a lot of racist. Stuff. I remember yes. they were not aware for some reason. Mm-hmm. They were aware, but weren't highly aware. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think it amounted to about 10% of so it was a Reddit. Lot. It was the, still a lot. It, it, was, was, it was enough. Yeah. It was plenty oh, yeah. of it there. So they bought this, and, and the idea was that it would be a community site that would attract things to their content. Yeah, and it would sort of be adjacent to, to Wired.com, mm-hmm. and they could, with those two properties, attract an audience owned. of, yes, exactly, um, which he also acquired at the time, actually, mm-hmm. the .com of Wired. Right, right. And, you know, they thought, well, we'll have these two communities of young men. That's a mm-hmm. huge audience. It's powerful. And, you know, sure enough, through the years, like the gaming communities on Reddit alone are just the, a very powerful community of, of you know, young mm-hmm. dudes. Mm-hmm. That are talking about gaming. Talking about gaming, is, talking yeah. about movies. Right. Yeah. And you have to remember there was an early, in the early internet, com- bulletin boards were the most important thing as people talking. That was where it really began. A lot right. of internet activity was around. AOL was the same way. It was bulletin boards on AOL mm-hmm. or chat rooms that, in that case where people would gather and discuss and trade information, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Whether it was gays or gamers or whatever it was. Right. Or, but, or now there's a Reddit community called Gamers. G-A-Y. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. But what they were, it was they were self-organized communities in the other context, they were policed a little bit. And some of them weren't. Some of the AOL chat rooms were not. Right. And which was problematic when it came to right. child pornography and other things. And they got in trouble for that. Um, but Reddit was a free-for-all. It was really thought of as a free-for-all. It was definitely thought of as a free-for-all. And, you know, as the years went by, there was the, the sort of idea that the company was founded as um, freedom from the press, mm-hmm. allowing users to determine what's on the top of the page rather than an editor in a high tower. they're all stories from the press. Right, exactly. Exactly. Um, and it's not organized the way they like. Yeah, them. it kind of became increasingly a seen as a founding tenet of Reddit, um, mm-hmm. whether it was or not. Steve Hoffman would say it was not that he was always there banning bad behavior, banning anything that looked like a bot or self promotion or mm-hmm. racism. Um, but as the years went on, and Steve was no longer there at the company, the definite predominant view of what Reddit is is a free speech site. No, no I've had many debates with Alexis over this yes. issue. Yes, <laughs> I was like. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, he was a champion of that idea. He said right. that more than more than anyone else, of right, course. Right, right, right. And so it, it developed as it gets sold very early, I thought, yeah. which was really interesting. Very early and for a very low, low amount. I yeah, mean, mm-hmm. it was like a little more than $10 million, which right. even in terms of media acquisitions is yeah. sort of small. I mean, it was right, right. in the ballpark that— you could imagine Condé making that acquisition mm-hmm. and not thinking too hard about it, right? Right, right, exactly. So they do this, and then things fell apart a little bit. Talk about that. I mean, they, they get sold, well, and of course they're not comfortable in the strictures of a larger organization. Yes, even, even I mean, the Condé bristling against the, the sort of minor bureaucracy. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't even real solid, like heavy-handed bureaucracy, but, mm-hmm. you know, they couldn't figure out how to hire an employee. They couldn't figure out how to expense a printer. I mean, mm-hmm. it was every little thing. Um, and they were able to bring on a couple more programmers. They were able to have, you know, a team of like four or five guys. Mm-hmm. But they felt so constrained. They felt like they didn't have the resources to grow. And yet the community grew and grew and grew during those years. Mm -hmm. The time in Condé Nast allowed the company to be sort of insulated Mm -hmm. from any outside market forces. And as you see, you saw Dig just completely sort of implode. Explain what Dig is for people. Oh, Dig was a similar site to Reddit. It allowed um, anyone to submit things and Mm -hmm. um, kind of vote up content. But um, there's this famous instance called Dig 4.0 in which, you know, Dig's sort of started catering to advertisers a little Mm -hmm. bit more and really upset its community. It was one of the instances that shows how fragile a social site can be. Cautionary tale for for everyone in Reddit took that to heart and was kind of constantly terrified. Mm -hmm. But right after, you know, that happened, some engineers at Dig sent Reddit an email and said, Mm -hmm. come meet with us. Mm -hmm. They said, "Uh, okay, Mm -hmm. and then felt like they were walking into the lion's den. But when, uh, you know, some former Reddit employees told me that they secretly shared traffic numbers Mm -hmm. and the sort of dig implosion had hurt them so much already that Reddit had more traffic than dig. And they felt like that kept them going for quite a long time. Now that just, and that that era sort of began the era of poor management decisions, or I should say bizarre and poor management decisions at at Reddit. That make this a fascinating business book. Um, It's just like crazy misstep after misstep. Mm -hmm. And yet the Reddit community was so strong and kept growing and growing that the company never really faltered. Faltered, although they had had a series of problems. And they continue to have it. Like never faltered, but caused a lot of damage as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. Um, When we get, we're talking right now to Christine Lagorio Chafkin. Her new book is called We Are the Nerds, The Birth and Tumultuous Life of Reddit, the Internet's Cultural Laboratory. We'll be back. We're going to talk about what happened to Reddit, especially in the more controversial areas. And they had a series of CEOs, including Alan Powell, and then are back to its founder, Steve Huffman now. Um, but what it's sacrificed along the way and also what it's caused, the damage it's kind of caused, because yeah. I do think they weren't very careful. And they sort of prefaced uh, what would happen with Facebook and other sites Absolutely. later. Absolutely. And even if you dig in and look at some of the little communities that were um, were building themselves during, say, Yishan Wong, the CEO prior yeah. to Alan Powell's time, those communities, and I trace this in the book, really show a mirror to, say, the you know identity conscious left and this super rigorous alt right that you know then really gained a foothold on Reddit and was able to more recently spread their kind of dangerous memes and mimetic warfare. All right, we'll talk about that when we get back sure. to a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You've heard it before. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But it's more than just a tagline because State Farm agents are small business owners themselves who live and work in your community. And if you're in the market for small business insurance, who better to work with than an agent who understands what it takes? State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. 
Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. We're here with Christine Legorio-Chapkin. Her new book is called We Are the Nerds, The Birth and Tumultuous Life of Reddit, the Internet's Cultural Laboratory. So laboratory is a nice word for some of what's been going on. So you just, when we ended the last section, you talked about that concept of that it it opened the way for all the alt-right sites, the the very toxic ones. Talk about how that happened and explain exactly, please do not explain what these names of these things were sure. and what happened on the site. Sure. Well, I mean, the, the, the bigger concept here that we had also been speaking about is that how how Reddit kind of gained this perception as the the kind of home of free speech online. Now, mm-hmm. of course, Twitter also at one point called itself, you know, the free yeah. speech wing of the free speech party. And mm-hmm. this was a very popular way of describing things before real trouble broke out. Right. Um, you know, Steve Hoffman basically, you know, told me that well, it's really easy to say we don't ban things when there's nothing to ban. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But during this time where um, – another thing I should say is Reddit loves to discuss nothing more than Reddit itself. Yes, and So yeah. as as these communities would pop up that had toxic content, Explain whether it's – exactly mi- what oh, they Oh, gosh, did. misogyny, homophobia, um, the poli- – like the right-wing politics uh, is very Islamophobic mm-hmm. and it does not expressly ban that and has not at any time. Mm-hmm. It's xenophobic. There's just about everything under the sun. What Wild was the name conspiracy. of the anti-black site? Oh, it? one was called Coontown. That was the most yes, sort of Coontown, prominent one. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, what? let me get to that in, okay. in just a minute. Okay. But um, there, there was a lot of fat shaming as well. Mm-hmm. And these things sort of blossomed because of that perception that anything goes on Reddit. And during the years, especially when Yishan was CEO. Um, this is explain who this is. This is this. He, is the, he was a CEO before Ellen Powell. He was mm-hmm. brought in. In sort of as the, by by advanced publications, Funny, as yeah. exactly as they sort of spun out Reddit from the umbrella of Condé Nast, they wanted Reddit to be able to act more like a Silicon Valley startup to attract investors, and and yet advanced publications to this day is the majority shareholder of Reddit still, mm-hmm. despite that it has, you know, raised so much investment that is valued at one point eight billion dollars, um, and. So during this time, these communities took root and basically tried to make an example of of the site. They tried to push Reddit's boundaries and they tried to just post the most extreme stuff they could. And it was like these these communities and their moderators were just having fun with this. Mm -hmm. And therefore, you know, the Reddit employees at the time kind of got wrapped up with them and went down. They kind of all descended into the same dark place together where they were allowing these limits to be pushed and mm-hmm. making stuff that looked a lot uglier put together than as a single piece of content. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have like a moderator who, um, like the most famous one, Violent Anchors, he had this whole sort of ecosystem of 
violence and harm pics and, um, you know, pictures of children that looked sort of, you know, sexualized. Um, And he would say to the the Reddit moderators, well, you know, I'm I'm just posting these things as a cautionary tale. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so mothers don't post pictures like this of their children on Facebook. But once you put all those things together, it's, it's, you know, something more. And so there were, they were constantly kind of battling this stuff ideologically. And for Reddit at the time, the idea was, well, we need to not have super specific policy. It needs to just be a clean line. Either this is allowed or it isn't. And we want to keep it simple to avoid scrutiny, mm-hmm. right? You see that kind of argument from every content site. Like mm-hmm. we need to avoid regulation, basically. Right. So if we can say, if we're YouTube and we can say, we don't know everything that's on our mm-hmm. on our site and we don't screen it, then mm-hmm. we're not responsible. Yes, we're just a platform. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the benign platform mm-hmm. argument is so exhausting after a while. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, everyone from Airbnb to Uber to Reddit uses is it right. and you well, know that's so that, over but, right yeah. well is it though yes. I mean we'll talk about that later yeah I'm 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 curious what you I've think. declared it over good <laughs> so it's going to be over yeah um but do our lawmakers Mom is here do our lawmakers understand these sites enough to make it over Mom is, is what here. I want to know happen, okay just so you know well go ahead um, go. so so what happened um the sort of moment of change came when Ellen Powell was CEO and right she, Ellen Powell explain Ellen Powell so background. she was um she actually started consulting for Yishan they were friends and mm-hmm. she came into the company and he uh, she said, well, gosh, you, you need to, this, this business needs to make money. You need to hire a, biz, a business chief. And he said, how about you? Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, she was deep in the lawsuit against Kleiner Perkins mm-hmm. and, um, you know, basically going and, and being on the stand all day. And then, you know, Yishan was basically flamed out from the job under circumstances that he told me were unbelievable because they were so weird. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was a middle-of-the-night ultimatum um, with a board over office space, and oh, he just right, did not right. show up the next day. Right. Um, so Ellen Powell, you know, submitted a plan and, and be, became CEO. Mm-hmm. Um, they always, you know, they gave her the title interim CEO, mm-hmm. but she... She made a plan to to cut off the five most noxious communities yep. that her community manager decided. She was 100% correct. And, yeah, and, you know, there were um, – one was a, a fat-shaming site and one was a, a terribly racist one. Mm-hmm. And study a recent study showed that th- that simple action actually improved the discourse across all of Reddit. Of course it did. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you like know – trash some, in the streets. Right, There's right. trash everyone litters. Broken windows policy, mm-hmm. right? Right. And she – then subsequently was harassed out of her job, basically. Right, it wasn't right. a clean line uh, to that. what happened there specifically. Because I think people, you know, Ellen Powell is such a, uh, she shouldn't be, but she she gets, she attracts, she's a lightning yeah. rod for something. Uh, sure, hate. Sure. It's really astonishing that she's, you know, there's a lot of complexity in the lawsuit that she had with Perkins, but on the whole, she was accurate. You know yeah, what I mean? And, yeah. and what she did at Reddit was absolutely correct, but she paid the price and it, she was carrying a lot of other stuff yeah, with her. Absolutely. Um, and, and what they did was just amazing. Explain what well, happened. Well, you know, it's actually more, uh, there, there's a business story to it, too. Mm-hmm. What happened inside the office is not as clean and right. clear as what, you know, it looks like right. online. But right. um, she had a lot of, she had a lot of difficult managing decisions to make, too. And a lot of that included letting an employee go, you know, every couple of weeks, mm-hmm. trying to make the staff into some... some more professional. Yes, exactly. And right. the employees at the time who dearly loved their little site that they had built and worked on so hard um, were just appalled by this. And one of whom, one of the, the staffers who was let go was Victoria Taylor, mm-hmm. who basically ran the IAMA, mm-hmm. um, Ask Me Anything. Uh, she was sort of Redditor's only window into Reddit, the business, mm-hmm. and the site just revolted against mm-hmm. that single single 
illegal firing. It basically communities, everything from, you know, our books to the tiniest little ones um, set themselves to dark. They basically turned themselves off. The moderators revolted against Reddit itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in the week following that, um, discussions between Ellen and her board grew increasingly tense. And Mm -hmm. she finally submitted her resignation. Was she wrong to have done that? Or is the way she did it? Or what? Because she was trying to clean up the mess the boys had made, uh, as far yeah, as I could tell. Yeah, yeah, true. Um, I don't, you know, it's it's interesting. I don't know how, what her thinking was exactly at the time. And I do think that the some of the Redditors who had been there were really, really strong employees. And um, maybe they just didn't see eye to eye with her on certain mm-hmm. things. That one's a tricky one, and there are some revelations on it in the book in terms of Alexis's involvement in oh, involved. the decision. And you know, he actually did. He's the one who actually let her go. Mm-hmm. Um, it was over a video call, but he right. did that. So, it, but I'm saying, do you determine? Like, you report on this. Do you determine yeah. what she was doing was the correct thing for Reddit to clean it up? Oh, sure. I mean, I do think that she did. That was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the business, I don't. I don't know um, how it would have gone if she would have kind of had her way in terms of building a more straight-laced kind of company Mm -hmm. um, because we didn't get to see that play out. Basically, what we saw was then, you know, Ellen resigned, Steve Huffman came back in, and the founder um, and original coder of the site, um, the guy whose sense of humor and, you know, ideology the site originally had, came back. And so that's the only reality we sort of know. And he did continue her policy. And having that sort of the founder stepping back, he felt like he had the, uh, I don't, I'm missing a word here. Uh, He had, he had gravitas. Yeah. To actually continue that and just say, guys, this is what we're doing. And the community did not revolt. The community Mm -hmm. said, Okay, there are a lot of eye rolls and a lot of criticism, but he once he started kind of banning those communities on a broader scale and rapidly, there were fewer of those sort of voices around mm-hmm. to to right. criticize it. Um, right. It actually worked, you know, yeah. continuing yeah, her So the policies. guy did it and it worked. Okay. Right. Never. Well, I mean— I, I, Not to be. It's just, <laughs> I just was like, I, it's so interesting that yeah. two people can say the same thing and yeah. one is received correctly. I like Steve a lot, but mm-hmm. I think Ellen was correct in the direction and maybe yep. she made some uh, executive decisions that weren't possible. Popular, but right. but they directionally it was absolutely correct because mm-hmm. it had gotten out of hand on that site and, and, yes. and you couldn't get them to understand the damage because they would just sit there with a free speech argument exactly and you are understand right. the you know not understand the implications of what they were doing because ultimately I think they didn't care. Like, that's what I come to the conclusion. I think they did care, but I think they were in it too deep. They just, like, couldn't see outside of their lens, you know. They saw Reddit as this crazy raging ocean that had these dark trenches and these bright, sunny, beautiful beaches. Because they were people who were never unsafe. Because they were, most of the founders were people who were never unsafe a day in their lives and did not understand people's experiences you know. Yes, but the, what I, I mean, one thing this book does as well is tell the story of a couple of women who mm-hmm. were community managers at Reddit um, and tells their story of mm-hmm. starting to create the entire concept of community management. Mm-hmm. Right. And they were deep in it. They were looking at dick pics all morning, mm-hmm. like looking at users' reported messages and and calling the FBI when they mm-hmm. needed to. And, you know, their lives were extraordinarily difficult, and they right. still loved Reddit for what it was, and they still— you know, they were trying to manage that line. Look, one of the things I always say, and people attack me for it, is that freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom of consequence. 
Exactly. You know, and mm-hmm. it does have an impact. And if you're willing, some people are willing to, oh, it's okay, it has an impact. I'm like, is it? It's not okay for everybody. And I think it's, it's, it's what they try to do it is take it down a path of politically correct, um, the idea that it's politically correct. You sure what you're trying to be? I'm like, no, I want you to understand what you're doing. You know, if, mm-hmm. if you do... You know, it's like spilling, they don't want to see it this way, but it's like spilling toxic waste into the thing. Okay, you're comfortable with that because here's what's going to happen next. And I think what happened on Reddit is directly where we are today. Mm. And and they still resist the idea that there is some link. There's an absolute link to the de- degradation of our civic discourse with what happens on these sites mm-hmm. without any rules yeah. and standards. Yeah, and a couple fascinating things along the way that, ha- that sort of happened online, you know, the the free speech soapbox, you know, of being able to shout your political thoughts mm-hmm. in a public square, mm-hmm. that became way, way greater and bigger than the how a, how long a human voice can carry, right? Mm-hmm. You can get these well, things get amplified. so amplified, amplified online. And weaponized is what exactly. You know. It's and, not the same thing. Well, and also, you know, the, the sort of echo chamber of seeing what you want to see on a site like Reddit or Twitter right. or anywhere. So what, what Steve I mean, started to do was put things down. Like he would mm-hmm. remove certain things like right. Town and other things, but then he would start to vote them down themselves, um, right? Well, he, them. he kind of um, isolated them. He put them behind a wall. Mm-hmm. So content that is not um, actually Actually threatening to another individual or group or harmful or um, or that shows violence um, against certain certain people um, mm-hmm. or animals. Those things are kind of cordoned off behind almost like a paywall. It's basically you need to sign in with an email and right. no advertising goes behind that right, wall. Right, you can't right. see, um, you can't find those results on Google. So basically unsuspecting Redditors cannot find the worst mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it won't just happen across the worst stuff. Mm-hmm. That said, anyone looking can still find their, you know, sw- somewhat horrible communities. Right. And, um, right. and there's still a lot of casual misogyny on Reddit throughout the site, throughout mm-hmm. different subreddits. Um, those things are... A little trickier in, in concept, at least, to police um, mm-hmm. when it comes time to make policy. And how do you get moderators all over the world? So, to are they still averse to policy or not? Or no, no, they're making they're making policy, and it's a lot more specific, right. certainly. But they still do allow those sorts of those tones of discussion, right? And there's still, you know, some like red pill and incel communities that right veer into that stuff and right. are and they're going off into other it's interesting because they're going off into other areas. Yes. Um, they're going off to other sites. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um that's always the danger. And I think one thing we need to watch as reporters right now is that they're not just going to other public sites like Gab. They mm-hmm. are going to Discord and Discourse and yes. um private Twitter Twitter right, chats. We're gonna talk about that when mm-hmm. we get back about what happens to this because Reddit was the first part of it and now they're moving into other areas as they're becoming banned by some of these sites. We're going to take another break now. We'll be back after this with Christine Ligorio Chafkin, the author of a new book about Reddit called We Are the Nerds. Okay, we're back with Christine Ligorio Chafkin, the author of a new book about Reddit called We Are the Nerds, The Birth and Tumultuous Life of Reddit, the Internet's Culture Laboratory. So where are we now? So Steve has been running this, and I know he got into a little trouble. Uh, I think we had a podcast You about did it. have a great yes, podcast yeah. about it. It was yes. about— um, Spez giving. Yes, explain that situation. <laughs> well, so in the, the sort of rise of, of Pizzagate and some other conspiracy theories, um, and Steve starting to sort of ban those communities, including Pizzagate, Pizzagate which the one did. that said Hillary Clinton was running a, a pedophile ring in Washington. By the way, yeah, I've in the eaten base, at that place. In the there's, basement of a pizza shop that no has basement no basement. There. No right. basement. 
and the pizza's delicious, but go ahead. <laughs> no pedophiles going on, but go ahead. So, you know, they, they went but through they, the but, process. But they had a they serious situation. A man arrived with a gun. A man arrived with a gun. Right. Um, and this, but this was before that. But mm-hmm. they, they decided, you know, we're going we're gonna to ban this community. They gave the community the warnings. The community sort of started migrating elsewhere, including to the Donald, which is, um, you know, Donald Trump's huge supporter base on Reddit. It's mm-hmm. got more than 600,000 subscribers now. Um, mm-hmm. And they started calling Steve Huffman, his username Spez, a pedophile. Mm-hmm. And it kind of got to Steve. It was like a Thanksgiving weekend at the office, and he was sort of alone in his area, and he decided to take, you know, to sort of hack his own site. Mm-hmm. And instead, he changed some of the Donald moderator's name um, names. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, he changed actually references to his own name mm-hmm. to references to their name, meaning mm-hmm. they were being called yeah. a pedophile. Yeah. And he thought it was a silly prank, and then he saw the in-office oh, they don't slack. Like it when people are <laughs> the in-office snacking. slack was just, you know, on fire when he got out of a meeting, and uh, his community managers were freaking out. Mm-hmm. And he realized, oh my gosh, I've caused our staff all this concern. They think our site has been hacked when mm-hmm. really it was just hacked by the CEO. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think he regrets doing it. He he regrets not, like, doubling down on it almost because right. <laughs> it was just this ridiculous thing. He regrets, you know, causing his staff any concern. But right. um, I uh, liked it. Yeah. I mean, it's just he's a troll, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's kind of a trollish guy. And um, he has, the, you know, all the sensibilities that Reddit does, right? right. So, right. Um, you know, when I went to the office a year after that, they and had the these, master key. So <laughs> Right. He had they had like a sheet of promotional stick. Mm-hmm. And at the, with the new SNU, like the redesigned sites uh, mascot, mm-hmm. and at the bottom there was one sticker that said "edited by you, Spez." Oh, ha ha ha! ha. <laughs> so they've made it their yeah. own little internal yeah. mythology. It's like become part of Reddit's story. Reddit is a place where a lot of people can dish it out, but very few can take it. That's my impression of it. Sometimes, like when I, you're on it, some of them are wonderful sites. Yeah, you know what I mean? But yeah. there's but in the toxic sites, they literally can dish it out, and then the minute you go after them, they're like whining. Yeah. Like little babies. Yeah. Um, so where is it now? Where do you find it now? And then let's talk about, yeah. let's finish up talking about where I, where it goes with all, because it's, it's in, it, what's happening at Facebook or Twitter or Google or anywhere else is the same thing. Yes. Um, I mean, re- the thing we should consider is that Reddit is sort of the testing ground for a lot of the stuff we see on mm-hmm. Twitter and on Facebook, especially in terms of, you know, content from foreign entities trying mm-hmm. to uh, influence, influence the, the electorate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, being, you know, Reddit's always been sort of a mirror of the rest of the internet. And mm-hmm. so I am just so confused as to point. why why our lawmakers are not looking at Reddit. Why our analysts are not. I mean, there's plenty of academic researchers just mining the mm-hmm. stuff on Reddit because it's uh, it is sort of open source enough sure. that you can track things that you can't sure. track on Facebook. And that stuff is fascinating. But um, but why are we not looking to Reddit to see the birth of these memes and the birth of these right. ideas and the, the way they are tested and spread? Um, you know, the Re- Give me an example. 944 Russian accounts were found in the days leading up to the election Mm -hmm. of Donald Trump. And, um, you know, Reddit can precisely say how many of those got more than 10,000 karma points. Mm -hmm. It was only a handful. Um, Reddit does have pretty good anti-spam systems that are all algorithmic. But these things did get through them, right? I mean, most of it doesn't. Once you try to game Reddit, it doesn't really work. And plenty of people do. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of them did get through and some of them were harmful. So they were trying out things on Reddit mm-hmm. before they move to the other systems. Yeah, and I mean, you can look back and see Donald Trump has tweeted memes that started on Reddit. Right. Pepe the Frog. Pepe um, the Frog. 
and um, others. And so a lot of the dark memes start there, but a lot of Reddit's moving them off of them, right? Correct? I mean, and they're moving to other sites like Gab yeah. and, and others. Yeah, I mean, you, can see, you can't trace that flow precisely, um, but you have seen a lot of migration to Gab recently in terms of the, you know, ultra-right-wing extremists. Gab is. Gab is a site. Gab that, is a that, site started by Andrew Torba, who was another Y Combinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if he graduated it, but he did, you know, mm-hmm. uh, partaken it for a, at least a little bit before feeling like he was too conservative to be part of that social scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and he went off to start Gab, which is definitely builds, it does definitely build itself as a free speech site. And now that that term has sort of come to mean, you know, alt-right views and saying horribly racist and misogynistic things, it's, um, that's kind of the home of, of those things now. Right. Um, so what is Reddit now then? If they're the really free site speech, like all these sites, yeah, well, Reddit is so yeah, a lot of them all right because exactly. they have nowhere else to go. Right. Mm. Well, Reddit, Reddit is. Um, I mean, it wants to be sort of uh, something for everyone, and the, mm-hmm. I think the challenge Reddit faces now is it's it's undergone a redesign. It is kind of a brighter, shinier place than it used to be. Mm-hmm. It has profile pages for every user account, even though users can still be anonymous or pseudonymous. Um, it's it's a little bit more open and, you know, um, shows a little more information about every every user. So mm-hmm. can Reddit retain its its kind of anarchic spirit? You know, it's sort of everything. Does it have to? I don't know. And does it have to? Right. Um, to, can celebrities post on Reddit and um, and get away with that self-promotion mm-hmm. in the future? I think Reddit would love that if Elon Musk was But why would you go on there posting? when you show up their naked pictures? There's no way they're going. You know, that was <laughs> right. their, fu- you know, that was, right. what did they have? Jennifer Lawrence's naked yes, pictures on there? Yes. Right. Um, Stolen cell phone pictures, right? Exactly. During the iPhone hack. And that, I mean, the fact that that took Reddit a week to decide on right. shows how messy and, and tricky those content decisions mm-hmm. are. They're not messy and tricky. They're just, they're weak and ill will. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, at the I had time, a, I think it was, uh, it was a tricky debate for them to be having internally and like harmful. I get it. Uh, yeah. They're but, getting to it. It's interesting. I've had so many, like the yeah. Alex Jones thing. I'm like, oh, you're taking gosh. it down. And they're like, no, we're not. I'm like, you will. I yes. said, they're not. I'm like, you will. So just do it now. I called Steve out on our slash Hitler. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, we'd take it down if it had any traction. And, you know, a couple right. months later, they took it down. Right. One right. of the most fascinating. What was it called? Our Hitler. Just Hitler. Just Hitler. Mm. You know, what's going to go there? Right. Um, so so I had a conversation with him at, the day after he took down like 70 different subreddits. And a mm. lot of those were violent imagery and harassment mm. and um, including, you know, uh, like animal abuse. Mm-hmm. And, I, and he leaned back in his chair and he said, well, I feel like that was the last wave of subreddits that really bothered me. Like, I feel mm-hmm. really good about that. Wow. And then it like a beat passed and then he sat back forward and he said, no, wait, gun sales. There's right. still gun sales. So like there's still always something. Yeah. So, there's always a new problem, right? And right. that's where you see so, Facebook and Twitter coming up to these new problems that right. their users create. Right. And we need to have a better way of addressing so what them. is that? What do you imagine is going to go forward? Because I think Reddit was sort of the pioneer in that of letting anything goes. And then yeah. the Facebook and Twitter, in order to have virality and growth, went in that direction. And when they favor the idea of speed, virality, and engagement, you're going to get this. Right, because outrage no causes virality. Right, exactly. So what what is going to happen? Is there going to be, because then if you try to pull back, it's free speech. You yeah. know, it's a really, it's a dicey situation. And then they have the right wing saying they're being discriminatory. You have the left wing saying they're being dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, oh, you don't, for free speech, it's just a very, what happens next? Right, what do you do when there's no line between hate speech and political speech? What do you do when those are kind of synonymous in, right. in certain corners? I 
I don't know, and this is baffling to everyone, and I think our Congress has not done a great job of trying to get down to the root of this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when these platforms, um, well, they say they're they're platforms, this neutral platform defense, that is super difficult to regulate. You know, you can regulate um, where the flow of money, that is very easy for, Mm -hmm. I think, our lawmakers to understand. Mm -hmm. But in some places like Reddit, where the only currency is human conversation or ostensible human conversation, um, you know, how do you actually regulate that? It's... They still say they're a common carrier like AT and T. So where right? does it go? Where from your yeah? From your where does it go? I I mean I do Christine, think you're going to tell us where. Oh it's my god, go. I don't know. I mean, but I I do think that that Congress will um, have to be, confront this at some point, mm-hmm. and I really think people should think hard about their own actions and their own viewing on social media. And once they come to you know, decide what they want out of this, they should talk to their representative. Mm -hmm. um, Because I think we all need to have a little more power in terms of what gets put in front of our faces now that Facebook determines what news we see. What about the mentality of the people who make these things? Has that changed? They're growing more sophisticated, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a like the community management is such a difficult job. If you're a person who just has to look at violent images that are reported all day, mm-hmm. how do you do a good job at that? Right. Right. I mean, I think that's a huge Not thing. Not allowing them on the service, making right. rules. Right. I mean, right. you know, right. it's what adult people do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it really is. It comes down to it. And I hate to be so reductive with these people, but it's often like people have never thought about this and never been unsafe a day in their lives. Yeah. Never felt unsafe, mm-hmm. you know, and not listen to people who were unsafe. And, mm-hmm. you know, people are like, oh, that's so political. I'm like, no, it's not. It's an empathetic is what it is. How do you get empathy? How do you build empathy into this product? Right. Uh, and how do you understand that, you know, it's not that people have can't look at difficult things. It's not that, but it's that, to me, it's like a tax on women or people of color every day of their lives. They mm-hmm. have to put up with this. And others don't. And then they're like, oh, why are you so sensitive? It's like, you know what? I'm tired of paying this tax. Yeah. Why am I the one who has to pay it? There, you, you're in no danger whatsoever. Right. Uh, is there just a co- inherent cost of being a woman on social media, absolutely. right? I mean, it's it's absurd. Has that improved at all on Reddit? Because that was <gasps> like the swarming of Ellen, the swarming of women. It's just astonishing to me. I mean, I think it has improved because, I mean, remember even like five years ago, a Reddit business manager who was a woman told uh, a reporter, you know, her job is ostensibly to grow business on Reddit. Sure. And to, right. She told the reporter that all women should avoid r slash gaming, which is a million person community because it was simply too sexist. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's maybe a little bit better, but just two weeks ago, I was, I you know, encountered a thread about a woman um, just who was just super tired and working hard and she decided to go fix her parents uh, washing machine and she you know looked at a YouTube tutorial went out and bought some hardware and then got harassed off the site I mean right. because just for being a woman trying right. to fix an appliance right <sighs> yeah I know I know yeah huh. but that's it I just did a reddit uh, AMA and it was yeah, great I it did was great too. and it was really great and yeah. it was fun and it was interesting and that's the problem is some of these communities can be so wonderful and so right. helpful and so right. join you know it really does make you feel part of humanity I think I always go Go back to Jaron Lanier's um, comment on our podcast. This is the greatest human experiment in communication that's failing miserably because humans are awful. Very true. Awful, which I think is really interesting. All right, finishing up, what would you take away from this? That that this this is going to continue or what does it become? I'm very curious about the future, and I would look to these communities trying to build in subtle ways to shape humans' behaviors. Mm -hmm. I think we'll see Reddit kind of coaching people to be kinder. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know exactly how they will do that through, you know, algorithms and whatnot, but um, I think we should 
should watch how our own behaviors are attempted to be shaped uh, right. by these sites. And I think that's exactly why we need it's to understand them now. It's addictive. Yes. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's very easy to get jacked up by this stuff. Anyway, Christine, thanks for coming on the show. It was great talking to you. Thanks to you all for listening. You can find more episodes of Recode Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about the show. You can follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. Christine, where can people find you online in the book? At Ligorio is my Twitter. Um, ChristineLagorioChafkin.com is my website. Okay. Actually, it's, actually, it's just ChristineLagorio.com. I did not All right, add the second name, but yes. uh, Okay, now that you're done with this, you can go check out our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recode Decode, and thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie, and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Wednesday. Tune in then. 